Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Guys, I'm super excited for today because we have a very special guest and we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics. So um, I'd love to introduce Jessica Gronis to the show. Jess, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Great, of course. And um, before we jump into our topic, just why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about who you are, your background, and um, then we'll jump right in. Yeah. So yes, I'm Jess and I live in Marysville, Ohio, which is near Columbus, near central Ohio. And I am a mama um, and a wife. I always try to be a wife first, but it's hard because I have a one-year-old. And so our life we're really working on not revolving it around her, but it's near impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I have my, my husband, Sean, and we've been married five years. It'll be six in July. Our daughter's name is Adeline Lorene. We call her Lena. And that was not planned. We named her Adeline just because it's a family name and we thought it was cute. And then we just ended up calling her Lena girl. So She's wonderful. She's got four little teeth. We just love her so, so much. And we have a puppy who is almost three. Her name is Hope. And one of Adeline's first words has been Hope, which is just so cool. Um, She's actually a certified therapy dog. And I did that because I'm a middle school counselor, grades six through eight, and wanted to be able to bring a dog to school because they can talk to people way better than we can often and comfort them without words or listen to them. So hopes with us. And besides all of that, I um, have an online business. I am a health and mindset coach and have really shifted from a place of let's do the workouts and eat the right food and lose all the weight and do the before and after pictures to how can we take care of ourselves emotionally and also nourish our bodies with food and feel really good, but it starts with our mind. And so that is what I do. Oh, awesome. I love it. I have, I completely agree with you. I think that is the missing piece to so many programs out there. You know, it's the, here's the workout, here's the, um, the food plan, but unless you change the mindset, you're just going to keep struggling and you're going to keep getting the same results. You may lose weight, but if you don't change your mindset, you're just going to gain it right back. And so changing your mind along the way, I think is absolutely the way to go. So, um, so Jess, can you tell us a little bit about your, um, history with fitness and with food and, you know, kind of catches up to speed. We know where you're at now, but that's not where you started. Oh no, no, not at all. So actually, I mean, it really goes back to probably third grade. No joke. I started my period super early, like third grade, no joke. And I felt so uncomfortable in my body because 
I had I had gone through puberty or was going through puberty when my friends didn't even have to wear a bra. I hope I can get this real on this. <laughs> you can. Nope, this is real stuff. And so I remember the day that I came home from school and I had this like button up sheer white shirt on. It was like a dressed up day. We had uniforms usually, but we had spring pictures that we got to wear dressed clothes. And my mom gently telling me that I needed to start wearing a bra and I was so young. And so from that point on, I, I knew I was different. I was a foot taller than even the boys in my class and had boobs. And that was just, I was very uncomfortable. And I felt like the big friend, although I really wasn't like big, I just was more developed. Um, but to me that came across as they're tiny, they're cute. I'm big and different than everyone else. And so fast forward to fifth grade, I had ear surgeries. Um, my eardrums got holes in them from having tubes. And so I had to get my eardrums reconstructed. And so that piece played a role because I couldn't do sports and everyone thought I was going to be this huge athlete because I was tall and they thought I was going to be the star of the basketball team, but I had to take a year off and then it messed with my equilibrium and I was just really awkward and I wanted to be able to tumble and dance like my friends did, but my parents couldn't afford dance. So flash forward to high school, I was on the golf team and it was so fun. We had a blast. And I worked, I worked 35 hours plus a week because I, I had to for my family. Um, my mom ended up being a single mom from my eighth grade year on. And that was a, a role that I had to play to be able to help support just us living in general. And I worked at an ice cream store. So you know, I was eating ice cream because it was free. I mean, I love ice cream and it, it was a great job. It, it taught me a lot. And so honestly, like, my journey, and I, I can go up as we, um, through the ages as we go through this, but it really started with me being the bigger friend, the taller one, the one that people would see me at the mall and be like, oh, is she 15? And my mom's like, no, she's 10. And I just always felt like I needed to almost hide myself because I felt so big. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we give as much credit to our youth and the experiences and circumstances we had until we are able to be reflective and look back and be like, wow, just that those comments along the way, they had such a big impact on my journey. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. All right. So keep going. So yeah, we're in high school. We're working at the ice cream shop, eating <laughs> free ice cream. Yep. Um, what came yep. next? All my, all my best friends were dancers. So they worked out like crazy. And I um, remember we got a treadmill at my, my mom got a treadmill and I would run on that treadmill. And I had a boyfriend in high school who was on the track team. And so I was surrounded by these like super fit, you know, like high school fit that is not realistic for any of us right now um, or after high school, you know, super cut and lean and always wanting to try to take care of myself. But then I would also eat brownies and overeat. And when we were sad, my mom and I would eat. And when we were happy, we would eat like food always had an emotion around it for me growing up. Um, so then I went to college and was all about the group fitness classes. I still am. I love group fitness, but it got to a point where I was waking up to do a 6 a.m. spin class. And then I would go to yoga at 8 p.m. And 
I even injured myself because I was just working out all the time because I thought I can eat and drink whatever I want, but I'll work it off because that's what they say, right? Oh, now I got to go run 10 miles because I had Thanksgiving dinner. Like it, it doesn't work like that, but I thought it did. And so I would do everything I could, or I would Monday through Friday have my fitness pal, which can be a great tool, but also a really not good one because I set it to my thousand calories a day. I would buy the thousand calorie packs. I would buy those frozen meals and I would just try to restrict myself. And then the weekend came, we'd go out, we'd eat pizza at 3am. It was just like super unhealthy in all the ways mentally, physically. Um, and so then I went to what after college, I went to graduate school and I really started focusing more on my health in a different way and like had more structure around it. I did workout programs. I was able to do my before and after photos, show people how I lost weight and felt really good about myself. And I, I, I became a coach and people saw me as that. I was a Zumba instructor, which is hilarious. Like me as a Zumba instructor, that's just silly, but I did it and I had a fun time doing it, but I'm not a dancer. Again, want to be of those things that I couldn't be when I was younger. Um, and then when I got married, so like I did the sweat for the wedding and I felt really good in my dress. And when I got married, I decided I was going to do what's called a figure competition, bodybuilding, if you will, there's different categories, but basically I strutted my stuff in a bikini on a stage wearing very, very high heels. And actually I just got rid of those heels. Like a month ago, which is, I'm like, why do I still have these? Because I thought I would do it again. The, the whole act of being on the stage, I loved. It was so much fun. I met really great people. But what came from this competition was disordered eating that really reared its ugly head to the point where my coach who trained me and, you know, told me what to do, reached out to me after and was like, I'm worried about you based on what she saw on social media solely. That's all she could see was what I was posting with my meals. And, and I remember being ticked off. I was like, oh, seriously, what are you worried about? I'm fine. I'm great. And I, I had no idea of how not okay I actually was. Yeah. Yeah, that's, Loaded. We hear about people in those different competitions like bodybuilding and how they put you at risk for disordered eating, but actually talking to somebody who's been through it. And so where do you think was the, the change from, you know, being more health conscious to the disordered eating? Was it, you know, a certain place in the fitness or the figure competitions or was there some defining moment or what was the transition? Yeah. So I would say it, it was throughout the training for it because I, I did really well. So like, I'm the type of person, good, bad, and different. If you tell me to do something and I, I I've made the decision that I'm doing it, I I'm going to do it. But I've been told I'm really coachable because that's like, I'm, I'm just going to do the do. That's what I do. So when I did this, I was in a thousand percent to the point where, you know, I would have, you have your macros, which is different food groups and you get so many calories and I would weigh everything I ate and put it in my fitness pal. And then I would show it to my coach and she would see that I was under over and she would tell me good job. And, and, and 
I, she, if she listened to this podcast, she would probably just smile because I can't say enough how much she helped me. She was amazing. And I'm so thankful that I found someone like her who was able to reach out and be like, yo, Jess, like you need to, (laughs) you need to slow your roll. Whereas some of the people that I came across throughout, um, training for this told me, they made me feel really bad about my body. They looked at me and said, you have a lot of work to do before you can step on stage or, uh, you're doing figure. I think maybe you should do bikini because I wasn't like as, as strong enough. I didn't have big enough muscles, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think part of it was the fact that I, I really had success in weight loss. I, I lost weight really well with this program, but that's probably because I followed it better than 99% of the people would just because of how my personality is. So I think seeing those results and then being like, okay, but what if I don't do this anymore? I'm like, what if I, I I have to count calories like this and weigh my food because this is how I got this body. And the second I stopped doing that, I thought, I don't know what I thought would happen. I think I thought I would combust, like something really bad would happen because I was so afraid of gaining this weight because I had lost it doing what I was doing. Yeah. So would you, so, uh, so, you know, with our topic with disordered eating today, what were some of the, I guess, how do I want to say this? For a lot of us, we, we've heard of eating disorders, right? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to eating disorders, there's things like anorexia and bulimia and binge eating disorder. There's also things like orthorexia, where we have the pursuit of eating clean, not necessarily for weight loss purposes, but just for in the name of health, but then it turns into anorexic symptoms. What do you think is the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders? Because we know what eating disorders is, but this, this concept of disordered eating is very interesting and one we may not have heard of or, or know what it means. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like that question because I wonder to myself a lot. I'm like, if I went to a physician or whoever diagnoses, you know, eating disorders, I don't know if I would have had one. I really don't think I did because I, what I didn't fit the box of, I wasn't anorexic. I ate, you know, and not that that's the simple part, like that's what it is exactly. Um, so with disordered eating, it's really having an unhealthy relationship with food and having so much focus on food that it's, it's messing up other areas of your life. My very clinical definition, right? But it was, it it was to the point where we went to my grandma's birthday party and I got one cheat meal a week and I didn't want to eat Arby's because it's Arby's is a thing in our family. But anyway, (laughs) I didn't want to eat that because I'm like, when I had a cheat meal, like we planned it and we went hard to the point where I was sick. I did not feel good after our cheat meals, which turned into a day. Um, (laughs) So I remember packing rice cakes and string cheese and I ate it on the way to my grandma's birthday party. And then I didn't have anything to eat there. I just drank water and watched everybody else eat. To me, that is disordered eating because I couldn't enjoy food with my family it made other people uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable. Every time the, the food event happened, when it was time to eat, I remember like the feeling in my chest, like, oh gosh, who's going to ask me what I'm doing? They're going to try to make me eat. They're going to make me feel bad. They're going to say I'm making them feel bad. And it's like 
all I could think about was when am I going to eat? What's my next meal? Where am I going to get it? How many hours till then? Like it, my mind revolved around it. Yeah. An, an obsession, like you said. And yeah, I love the definition you used of, to the point where it interferes with just basic life <laughs> and other pra- processes and, and being with people. So, you know, I think it goes, it's worth mentioning that you know, if that is the definition or if that is your definition, right? It may not be a clinical definition, but if it is your definition, you know, would it be so far-fetched to say that all dieting, all restrictive dieting, you know, whether that's keto or paleo or very low calorie diets or any of those things would also fall into the category of disordered eating? Because, you know, for so many people there, it becomes this all encompassing obsession. This is what I have to do. I don't know how to trust my body anymore. I don't know what to, you know, what foods to eat unless the plan tells me I'm allowed to eat this. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I would have a hard time saying that all of them are automatically disordered eating. Um, I think it depends on the person and their personality and what they're able to, like, there was more stuff going on with me than the food, right? It, it, it stemmed from trauma. It stemmed from things that happened to me when I was younger. And it came out in the form of what's one thing in my life I can control. Little Jess couldn't control her parents getting a divorce, her sister being sick, the money that we didn't have but she could control what she put in her mouth. You know what I'm saying? So I think it depends on, on when the person, and I also think it depends what is the purpose of this quote program that you're doing? Because I, I, I lead a program um, and I do a 30 days healthy living program and I believe in it because I know that it's not something that's going to push disordered eating. It's, it's pushing whole natural foods on people and making the best choices for what feels good for their body. Does that make sense? What I, so, so I, I think it depends on your intention. And like we talked about, um, another time you and I, that it depends on, are, are you trying to lose weight? Is this something that you can do your whole life? Are you doing it to be healthy? And I'm so in a place where I'm like, let's just feel good. What can you do for your body that's going to help you feel good? And I think those support that you can get from doing a program um, organized with people can be so amazing, but you just really have to like look at your options and it, it goes back to like being able to trust the person that's helping you through that. Sure. Well, and I think probably the biggest thing is really being honest with yourself right? Because we all know what we should be saying, right? Well, of course I want to be, I want to be healthy. I can't tell you how many clients come into my office and tell me that their goal is, I just want to be healthy. Their goal is not to be healthy. Their goal is to be thin. Their goal is to be their high school weight. Healthy and high school weight are two very, very different things. But a lot of times people will misuse the word healthy because it's more acceptable, And so until you are able to have that honest conversation with yourself, it might skew your, you know, what kind of program you're looking for. Like if you think you're looking for health, but yet you're looking for weight loss, then you're going to be drawn to these programs that promise the world and that don't embody health. So 
you know, I think one of the biggest things is you've got to be a hundred percent honest with yourself. And for me, a lot of times that's figuring out what your why is like what your, you know, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You know? And if, if you stop at the, well, cause I want to be healthy. You just stop at that superficial why that's where you can, you know, fall into the wrong hands. Yes. But, but you could go another layer. Well, why do you want to be healthy? Well, yeah. because I want to, I want to be around for my grandchildren. Okay. Well, why do you want to be around for your grandchildren? Why is that important? Well, because I want to make memories with them. I want to, I want to, I want to love them. I want to show them. I want to teach them things. Okay. Well, if that's your why, now, you know, that a program that focuses on health and foods that make you feel your best and foods that, you know, have been proven to show longevity, that's going to be the program that works for you. Not the one that says eat a thousand calories because it's healthy. And I'm putting healthy in air quotes. Yeah. Amen. Yep. I could not agree more. And yeah, it's, it's all about like, what is going to get you to have that healthy relationship with food as well because the program that I do and it's something that we we just live by it now and we I I know what foods make me not feel good and if I eat them I I am aware that it's it's information that I'm putting in my body right like I've learned from a mentor food is information and you put in your body and your body takes that information and does what it does with it. And so if we stop looking at food, as we've talked about as good or bad and be able to say, how can I make myself feel good? And the high school weight thing, I think it's interesting. I love that you said that because we were both, we're both in agreement that like, I, I see high schoolers, the school I work at is connected to the high school and I see high schoolers every day. And I'm like, yeah, that we, we can't, that's not how our body is now. It's, different in so many ways we don't want our high school body we don't want to be in high school again (laughs) we want to be adults and loving our life so I think it's interesting um just a quick side story so a group of my friends and I we um we have like a thread you know of a chat and I came across these conversation cards so I started the conversation um you know, just so we can get to know each other. I mean, we can't see each other because of COVID. So, you know, we just, let's play this fun game. And so I'll start with an easy question. What were you like in high school? And so we started talking about who we were, you know, what we were involved in, what cars we drove, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the one girl's like, we need to post pictures of our senior picture for each other to see because we didn't know each other in high school or college. And I was like, I think I look the exact same. Like, I don't think I've changed at all. And then I um, texted my dad to send me a picture so I could post it in this thread. And I was like, what the heck were you thinking? That was 20, almost 25 years ago. Of course you don't look the same (laughs) as you did in high school. You're a completely different person now. And it's, but we still see ourselves as that person that graduated five years ago. Yes. Yes. but we are not that person. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, but then when we think about who we, what we look like, you know, that many years ago, well, of course that's attainable because it was just five years ago. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I was like, I look nothing like this person. Like I, I mean, similar hairstyle and all that stuff, but no, I look 25 years older and I'm supposed to look 25 years older. So I love that yeah. comment. Yes. Um, 
So, you know what, I actually want to backtrack a little bit because I think this is a really important part that you had mentioned something about little Jess. Yes. Right? Yes. You mentioned, you know, about not acknowledging how some of the trauma and the events that, you know, were big defining moments growing up. So I always think back to, remember the show, The Biggest Loser, right? And so, you know, that competition where they had to lose the most weight, everybody watched it while they ate a bowl of ice cream, because that's just what you did. <laughs> you can do it yeah. as you're feeding yourself with pretzels yeah. or ice cream or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I always remember, they would talk about writing letters to your younger self or, you know, let's talk about your childhood. And I'd be like, oh, here we go. Here's this. Here's this part about your childhood, but you mentioned something about your childhood. So can you talk to us more about that? Because that can be a place of healing, right? Yes. Oh, yes. This is my jam. I love this. So, and I love, I'm so happy with my transition um, from the fitness coach that I was, and I'm still a personal trainer. And so I love that I can offer that to people with the mindset coaching. So I'm a life and success coach and I do Reiki energy healing, but my most favorite thing that I do is inner child healing. And so it sounds like it's some big magical thing. And I mean, it is when you do it, but it's, it's actually really simple, but it can be difficult because we have a hard time acknowledging the crap that's in our life. Right. And I, I use this analogy a lot. So imagine you have a beach ball I learned this from my college professor um, in grad school to be a school counselor. So this beach ball is you. And as you have problems and trauma in your life, you're piling them on top of this beach ball and you shove it down in the water. And so the question is, eventually when you're in a pool or in water and you're pushing a beach ball down and you know, you like you picture, you kind of pick your feet up. What happens to that beach ball eventually? It, it comes back up. And it doesn't come up gracefully. It likely hits you in the face and it splashes water everywhere. And so that is us. And what we have done through our whole life is push all of that, those problems, all of the things that have happened to us and the trauma and the, the heartaches and even the things that you don't think were a big deal. But like, I remember being told I needed to start wearing a bra. I remember someone saying something about my boobs when I was in the fourth grade and that has affected me in some way, shape, or form. And so inner child healing, we really dig into like, what is that? What are the things that have shaped us? And we don't really get into it sometimes until we're in a moment. So an example, um, I'm trying to think of something recently where I've been like, okay, this is little Jess having a hard time. Um, Okay, so if I heard someone yell at someone, like out in public, I hear someone yelling. And uh, I actually, I heard a lady on the phone today at Trader Joe's on the phone, and she's like, you're making this way harder than it has to be. And her tone was awful, and she just like was not talking. And I don't know what the situation was, obviously, but I'm like, that is not a great way to handle this in the middle of a store. And so it made me anxious. And so that's when I think of, okay, little Jess, what about that? makes you anxious. And instead of like I used to push those feelings down and say, oh, that's stupid that that lady talking on the phone bothers you. Like, why would that bother you? That has nothing to do with you, right? That's like the first instinct is to say that to ourselves. 
it's like, okay, what's happened in my life? Well, my parents, if they argued, which was rare, they more like were ships in the night, like just passing and didn't really communicate. Um, but if they would argue, oh, it was awful and I hated it. And that made my stomach hurt and I would want to go into another room or fix it. And so I felt like I had to fix situations. And so being able to acknowledge things that have happened in your life when you were younger and saying, oh, that's why I feel that way and feeling it for a moment or however long you need to acknowledging it and, and, and accepting it and then being able to be like, okay, that's, I feel that way. Instead of constantly saying, no, don't feel that way. You shouldn't feel like that. Because the telling yourself not to feel it is just adding more weight to the ball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's making you feel guilty and like, it makes you feel wrong for feeling yeah. And you're just pushing it down even more for sure. And then what are the long-term effects of that? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it can be, it, it comes out in many different ways. It can come out in your relationships and the way you're able to perform in your job and the way you trust your partner. Um, there's so many different things that can come from it. And so how I use inner child healing with people is I have a workshop that I run and I go through and we, we kind of go back in time and we find our inner child and we talk to them and we tell them what they needed to hear. It's so powerful. And so then you kind of, you, you start to really figure out like, oh my gosh, yeah, that little person needed for me. I needed someone to tell me it's okay. I needed someone to say, this isn't your job to fix. It's not your fault. And so if I would have had that when I was younger, I wouldn't be constantly thinking like if someone's in trouble, I had to have done something to cause it, even if I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, we've talked about this before on other podcasts, you know, the impact of our thoughts mm -hmm. and how they drive our feelings. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful with our thoughts. We have to handle them very delicately because they hold a lot of power in terms of creating emotions, because then our behaviors are based on our feelings. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, when it comes to food, if we want a different behavior, then we have to acknowledge that our feelings drive that, which are created by our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so if we have an incorrect thought, mm -hmm. you know, something that we thought was true in the moment, but wasn't because we had, we developed the wrong thought around it it can actually have, you know, long-term consequences or yeah. long-term effects. Yeah, absolutely. Which it sounds like very dramatic almost, <laughs> but, you know, to acknowledge. So what would you say? So once you acknowledge what that thought is and you tell, you talk to yourself and you tell yourself what you needed in that moment, then what? So yes, it's, it's going to be different for depending on the situation, but in general, being able to just move forward and say, okay, that's, that's, that's how I feel. And, and that's okay. And so I'm a big, why, why did this happen? Why do I feel this way? Why, why, why? And in a sense, we are getting to the why, like, why do you feel this way? Because, oh yeah, little Jess 
had this issue when she was younger. Um, little Jess felt like it would be easier if she just hid because she was a burden on people. And so being able to acknowledge that and really reframe your thinking and being like, I'm safe and reminding yourself of those things. So like the, once you acknowledge it, tell yourself what you needed to hear then, because it's what you need to hear now in, in, in a positive sense. Right. So like you said, not that you're an idiot. Why are you thinking that way? That's none of your business. That's stupid because we all tell ourselves these awful lies in our head. We're so mean to ourselves instead of giving ourselves the love that we need and just like give yourself a hug and be like, it's okay to feel this way. You are very caring and you're very sweet and you can let this go and give yourself permission to let whatever it is go. So these are our coping strategies Yeah, yeah. for those moments when we have big feelings and we don't know what to do with them. You know, for most of my clients, we eat through them because that's what feels oh, good. Yes. fast. It, it, you know, it works. It works very quickly and it feels like, you know, at least we're not harming anybody else. We're, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're just harming ourselves, but that's not the way to go about it. So, yep. you know, sometimes I think we, you know, we see these coping strategies like read a book, call a friend, take a bath, you know, and you know, sometimes it's a little bit more than that. It's actually going deeper and doing the work and figuring out the whys behind our actions that actually releases us from those default thoughts that keep us in a perpetual cycle. Is that, is, am I saying that right? 100%. Yes. I love personal development books. I read one every night. I actually fall asleep reading one every night. Um, <laughs> it's what I do. And I, that's not enough. That's not, that's not what's going to really make the big change. And people are afraid to make the change because, and I, I'm speaking from experience, right? Because I didn't want to be able to have to acknowledge and bring up the stuff that I knew, even if it was in my unconscious mind that I was pushing it down because it hurts. It hurts to go back and talk about those things that really triggered us or traumatized us, but we're not going to be able to move past it unless we work through it. Yeah. Or I think a lot of times we tell ourselves, you know, it's not that big. Like you said, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I don't have to do the work, but then we get frustrated when we don't see results. So yeah. Yeah. do the work now, do it up front. Yep. It will pay dividends later. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, Jess, well, where can we find you? How can we learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Jess Gronis. That's my favorite place to be. Um, I also have a private Facebook group, Jess Gronis Coaching Community. And I have a podcast, The Jess Gronis Show, which you'll see Adrian on there. So you'll definitely have to check out the episode with her and website, JessGronis.com. So just like anything with my name, Jess Gronis, um, you can find me there. Awesome. All right, Jess. So one last thing before I let you go. Um, I always ask one of my guests, or if I have a guest on to share a recipe. So this can be a snack or a meal, a quick go-to, a favorite. Um, but this is where the practical part of the, the podcast comes in, where we share these great recipes and ideas that we can eat to be healthy. So I'd love for you to share yours. Heck yes. So I have so many. Um, but the one that is our go-to when we're like, 
you know, those nights where you're like, ugh, what are we going to have for dinner? This is easy. Hummus crusted chicken. So what, and this is from our healthy living um, cookbook with the program that I do. So you literally take your chicken breast and you take hummus and you put it on the chicken and you can add paprika or whatever seasoning, but you know, I don't have time for that. I don't even do that. And then I put it in the oven and I bake it at 350 for, I don't know, I never know the right amount of time because I have to keep checking it and yada, yada, like 20 minutes. I, you would know better than me, Adrian. Um, I guess it depends on how thick the chicken breasts are. So probably anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes if they're yeah. thin, but if they're the real thick ones, then you're yeah. looking at closer to 45, 50. Yeah. So yeah, I usually start at 20 and feel like I'm you know, but anyway, so, um, that, and then I also love zucchini with that. So you can chop up zucchini, put it in olive oil, also put that in the oven with it, but we got an air fryer mm. and this is God's gift to me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Although I'm like, is this really easier? Is it? I don't know, but I love to make sweet potato fries in the air fryer, put olive oil on them. My daughter loves them. She, and, and I, one thing that I love about being able to eat foods that I know are, um, I don't know what the word to use. I was going to say clean, not that word. Um, like whole foods, you know, like fruits One ingredient and foods. Yes. And lean meat. Like I know it's good stuff is because I know everything we make for dinner, my daughter can eat. And, and that makes me feel so happy. Except last night we had pizza and I'm like, girlfriend doesn't need pizza. She has four teeth, you know? Um, but sweet potato fries in the air fryer with that are so good too, or rice. And I always add avocado, a healthy fat to make sure I'm get my healthy fat in. And that is basically a day in the life because you know, that's about all we have time for a lot of times. <laughs> exactly. Like we can share all these great fancy recipes, but you and I both know that is not real life most days of the week. It's how do we get it done so we can move on? Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, Jess, I do so appreciate you spending time with us today, um, teaching us about disordered eating and the inner child work. Cause I think they're definitely topics that we need to explore and talk more about. So just thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Awesome guys. Well, that's all we got for this week and we will see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the nourish eat repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.